All right, Mots, it's episode 17. Uh, we have Milan Lucic who joined us. It was a great interview with him. We touched on some Tom Wilson and Rangers versus Capitals stuff. We got a little bit of baseball talk, a couple NHL debuts, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah, the hockey moms are amazing with the sacrifice, early mornings, late nights, the travel. The, the hockey players don't become hockey players without the hockey moms. So a big happy Mother's Day to all you hockey moms out there plenty of great topics to discuss here so let's go all right matzo what's been going on anything good uh it's nice the weather's starting to turn getting to the baseball fields quite a bit yeah just plugging away here the yard work's gonna be calling my name soon so you know that growing season and, and getting it all in order i enjoy doing it though yeah, yeah, you love the you love the backyard work more than anybody I think I know. I'd much rather pay somebody to do it. Have you been getting the spot built shorts going down at the baseball field looking good? Yeah, so the the big the high bike shorts with yeah. the spot belts, it's a nice look. I was never able to have spot belts growing up because they tracked too much mud in the house. I guess that was the excuse my mom came up with. They were but, doing um, you a favor, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were like the coolest thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, my son's been playing uh made varsity and been kind of shuttling back and forth playing the freshman as well, so he's getting his reps and I love baseball getting there and watching, so it's it's been good. Daughter's playing softball, another one's playing volleyball. Um so it's it's nice when the season changes. Good stuff. The uh the one thing is with baseball is the no time limit that is killing me. Like I was just talking to um, my brother-in-law and we were talking about, I'm like hockey, at least, you know, it's, it's an hour. Even if you have to factor in like a 45 minute ride or whatever it is, like, you know, you can block out your day. You're going to be gone for three hours. Like baseball, you could go down the field and be down there for two and a half hours. Like, even though it's right down the street from your house and and it can be a little pain, a little painful. I, I wouldn't mind a timer on there, a hard stop time when the uh throw up throw up a you know 60 minutes on the clock and just count it down when the when the ball uh starts becoming a little cleaner like you know they get a little older it, it makes it a little more tolerable but there's a, lo- a lot of times where it shows some you have to show some patience when there's you know some snowball fights being uh thrown out there like balls going everywhere and oh. whatnot but you know as long as they're getting out there and and, and playing the game and it does take some patience, so I, uh, yeah, I enjoy um, watching my daughter play, even though it, it is a little slow and whatnot. But she's enjoying it, so that's that's one of the things. But the time time frame on that, as long as the, as the weather's nice, I'm fine. And once it starts getting a little brisk and chilly, and all right, let's move this thing along. Yeah, let's move it along exactly. So speaking of moving along, let's uh, let's talk about some some different things here. Uh, it's that time of year where summer tournaments, spring tournaments, things like that are, uh, they seem to be a priority in the hockey world. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, number of tournaments? Should kids be playing in them? Uh, I know we've chatted about this before, but I want to dive into it a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper and, uh, and, and just get your, your mindset on those things. And obviously everything's age appropriate as well. Yeah. I, I don't have any problem like with one or two tournaments, playing in the summer you know with your buddies and or just getting on the ice and but when you're chasing it and you're trying to stay on the ice with these summer tournaments because most most of the tournaments aren't high quality um they're money makers for some of the programs or or these pop-up um organizations so i just i look at it as you know 
case by case. You know, you're playing another sport. You want to get on the ice with some of your friends. It's great. But the skill work is in, important because this is where you can develop. And you, you talk to when we talked to Sean Scahan about the offseason, it's where you make your, your gains, right? So your skill work, it's it's okay to mess up. It's okay to not be good at something because you're not really playing in meaningful games. So you can work at your, um, say, the things that you need to work on, you know, really push at it. And, you know, you can kind of customize, you know, different, there's so much out there, right? And you just have to be able to customize what you're working towards your negative, um, you know, skills and, you know, have fun doing that. I, I just, I just really do feel that, you know, you, if you can pick and choose and, and have that kind of, um, you know, schedule of skill work, it kind of is way, it's way more um, appropriate and beneficial to the player's development and then you can have some fun with the summer tournaments uh, sprinkled in. But if it's vice versa, where you're playing more tournaments than skill, then I think it's it, it can negatively negatively impact you because you you pick up on bad habits. You know, you're not playing the game the right way, and and you can really kind of take a step backwards versus trying to make those gains. Yeah, and I think the the at the end of the day in the tournaments, people are you know the coach is a coach and a win, right? So instead of focus on skill development, kids actually getting better and handling the puck and looking to make plays and things like that, a lot of the coaches are like, you know, get the puck and get it out, dump it, this that, like those type of things which aren't benefiting their skills. So I think, like you said, a little bit of a balance. Um, you know, make sure we're playing other sports, make sure we're doing other things, and you mix in one or two. It's not the end of the world, but definitely do not get caught up in the drama of it. Don't get caught up in flying all over the country and and Canada and wherever else for these one-off tournaments at 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. I think it's kind of silly. Focus on your skills and get better. Um, And that's, I mean, that's my, my mindset. I think as at, you know, at, at 14, 15, 16, you're talking about national tournaments and things like that, where potential scouts are going to be there. It's a different story, but for the most yeah. part, at those younger age groups, my 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 mindset is just focus on the skills and get better. Yeah, there's definitely a uh, more of an emphasis on the tournaments as kids get older. So definitely age appropriate what we're talking about here. But you know, even those older kids work on the skill sets that that can that you need to work on. And uh, again, it's not like where you're playing meaningful games in a season where. You know, you're worried about making a mistake. This is where you just really stretch your um, your limits and try to uh, expand your skill sets. And not to tease too much about our interview, but we talked about Luch not not getting drafted in the in the WHL at you know 14, 15 years old, and look at where he is now. So obviously, stand by for that interview. Some amazing stuff that was discussed at that point. Another thing that that I know you know we've been talking about is a couple of skills that I think. Uh, kids can be working on and kids can be doing in the off season right now is passing. We talked about it last week in our mailbag. Uh, it's there's such a lack of emphasis on it. And some of the skills we've been doing, the passes are just sloppy pucks are bouncing everywhere. And it's something that needs to be addressed and kids need to work on. And another thing is uh, backhand shots. I was watching some highlights and some different goals. And that's something that you can be doing in the driveway working on it kind of gets lost. Everybody wants to sit in the yard or in the driveway and, and focus on, you know, ripping pucks and taking slap shots and things like that. But work on those, 
you know, different things, work on your backhand shot. If you can develop a good backhand and change the angle of your shot, it's a huge skill. I was, you know, in that, uh, the U18 gold medal game, I was watching the highlights last night and, um, one of the young kids for team Canada, I think it was the kid Bedard, who's a stud, but he, uh, he came down on -on one-on-one and just ripped a, a backhand shot. And it was, the goalie didn't know what to do because it just it, it confused him. He w- wasn't expecting the shot. So focus on that skill uh, during during this offseason, I think, is very important. Yeah, if you ask any goalie, they always say that a backhand is the toughest shot to handle because they don't they can't read it coming off the stick as easily as a forehand shot. And, you know, the advice on that is just work on it to make it hard. And then the next step would be to try to be able to place it. But if you you can get a good hard backhander off, uh, like the goalie has no idea. It's that, a change you know, up. Yeah, yeah, it's a change up, and you know it can come off the toe, it can come off the heel. It's you know there's different things that happen there, but being able to do that and get it off quickly and hard is is pretty important. Um, you know, and going back to the passing, I uh, I'm amazed at how poorly people or kids coming up uh, pass now. You know, we, we, we're doing our, our camps and, you know, you try to do a drill with certain skills, you know, that you think that they can apply, you know, so you're doing a drill where it's just kind of, you, you're focusing on the detail of the drill versus the actual fundamental of passing. And that's important when you start getting into these drills, I'm, I'm, I was just amazed. So I had to stop the drill and break it down and, and show them the actual technique to, to, know how to pass and try to put a little spin on it, keep it flat. But I, I kept emphasizing that it's up to the receiver to catch the pass. If it's tape to tape and hard, it's it's on them to catch it. So the passer should be constantly focused, number one, to be able to make that pass and on the tape. So that's your job. You're doing your job. And the receiver, the, you know, the saying always goes, you know, you kind of give a good player a bad pass. So it's that's the skill set where picking it up off your feet, backhand, whatever it is, um, you know, if it's a grenade and you settle it down quickly. So those that's a, a huge skill set receiving a pass. But, you know, what we're talking about is like giving passes, like just consistently executing that on um, with no pressure in a drill. I think that that's lacking right now. And I, you know, that's a great thing to really, really work on. And we, we talk about it. It's like focus on it. It's really, everyone's skill is able to do it. They're able to do it. They're skilled enough. They're just not valuing it. And if they put that focus in, in each drill, I think they'll be able to get better and understand that that is a valuable part of the game and they'll continue to improve. Yeah. Everybody can go around and toe drag around a a tire or something like that, but you're going to get a lot further in the game by able to execute and make, you know, make good passes and handle passes. So I think it's a skill set that, you know, you coaches listening, you guys should be focused on. And, you know, speaking of skills, uh, Mots and I, we have the, the, the six line, we've got some defenseman clinics that are coming up. Um, in June, we have a, uh, a three day camp over at the Canton sportsplex and, uh, also, a uh, couple sessions out in Marlboro at the New England Sports Center. So make sure you guys visit www.thesixthline.com. Again, um, it's a six, not a uh, not not spelt out six. So www.thesixthline.com, and uh, hopefully we can we can work with some of you guys 
and uh, and your players and and spread the word and, and teach teach these kids how to play the game the right way, especially um, from the defensive sp- uh, perspective. Yeah, it's a good setup. We we try to you know put the kids in game situations, situational tendencies, and they get their reps there because it's it's very difficult to do when you're in a team practice. So these specific drills, these specific concepts, and the details of the drill that help. Uh, play the position a little bit better so and you yeah, don't have to just be a defenseman you can be a forward too it's great it's great for you to understand the game from all different perspectives uh in in big news this week Mott's uh the the tom wilson saga washington capitals versus uh the rangers what do you think about that stuff yeah it's unfortunate that panarin got hurt um you know top five forward in the league yeah he's a stud but i will just say um you know, this is my opinion, and I, if it's an isolated incident, just looking at what what happened, you know, Wilson, you know, rabbit punch, gutless rabbit punch while someone's down on the ice. You know, it's just not really meant to happen in the game. And then someone's on his back, and he's just kind of a bigger, stronger guy, ragdolls him, and that's really what you see. I mean, if you think about it, and that that was my original kind of assessment of the situation and i'm sitting on the couch with courtney my wife uh and she's like what's up with this whole tom wilson situation and i'm like what do you mean she's like i've watched it like 10 times i don't really see anything crazy you know and i'm like that's interesting because it's not like she has a novice eye it's just more of you know just that isolated incident you know she doesn't know him being a predatory player with you know a lot of history. history yeah so um if you look at it, you know, kind of matter of fact and and just in that spot, it's I don't think there should be as much blowback from the to the league as, as far as the disciplinary situation. But then when you add in his history and, um, you know, the injury and whatnot, you know, there's an argument on the other side, too. Yeah, it was. uh I mean, there's two things I'll add. Obviously, I think Tom Wilson's kind of a, he's one of those guys that you hate him when you're when he's not on your team. But if he's on your team, and I don't think there's you know now with the, with Seattle joining this, you know, 31 other teams that would love to have a guy like Tom Wilson on their side. Um, and the other thing is is you know obviously it was it was negative what kind of happened and the Rangers releasing a statement and things like that and them letting go of uh, Jeff Gordon and John John uh, Davidson but I was very happy for for Chris Drury he's been in the running for a bunch of different GM um, positions recently I think he's turned down a couple actually because his family and where they live and things like that I've gotten to know Chris over the years he's an unbelievable guy. Um, and I think he's going to do a great job. So, uh, you know, I, I guess it's kind of a, it was, it was a, a, a crazy week and, and obviously it all falls into his lap now being, you know, the president and GM, but I was psyched to see that. Cause I think Chris is, uh, you know, there's, there's not many better guys and not many people that have done more in the league and, and throughout their, um, sporting careers than him. So I'm, uh, extremely proud of, uh, of, of Drew. Yeah, you know, as far as the Wilson, he, he's just an X factor, uh, extremely effective player. He can score, he can intimidate, he can do everything. So you're right, you know, you you would love to have him on your team, but some of the antics, he's on that fine line, you know, he plays on the edge there. That you know, it just it's he kind of he's smart enough to just skate that line though and not go crazy over the top, but he's always right there on the edge. But um, yeah. 
as far as Chris Drury, uh, yeah, you know, been fortunate to play with and against uh, for a long time. Fellow fellow Hobie winner, so you guys got that. You know, you're part of that secret society. <laughs> yeah, secret handshake. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, skulls. He's he's just a a great guy, great hockey mind, um, very professional in his approach. He's going to take that into New York, and um, there's big things you know coming that way because they have a great you know pool of prospects and and a young talent already on the roster so he has something to work with and i think that uh it's a great spot you know he he grew up in the area he's he's it's a comfortable scenario for him and like you said i he did pass up on a couple spots and you know things work out for a reason and i'm really happy for him and wish him the best i wouldn't be surprised if i lose my fellow assistant coach for my 2011 team and mike greer going down there i could see i can see that potentially happening in some capacity Greer's he's a great guy and he'd be a valuable asset to be a great hire yeah yeah so i don't know i'm I'll see if I can match whatever they they might try to pay him. You know, yeah. be, uh, <laughs> maybe but, a couple uh, of hamburgers at a cookout. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, yeah, can I grab can I grab you a uh, a Propel Gatorade after practice? I know you <laughs> like those, but yeah. So I I don't know that for a fact. I haven't talked to anybody, but I just it it popped into my mind because of the BU connection, and it'd be it'd be a tough loss for the 2011 Junior Terriers, that's for sure. <laughs> but I guess we'll. We'll wish Grizzly well if he does make that decision. A couple other news around the NHL: Ryan Miller retiring. Pretty, uh, pretty fitting tribute that that they've had for him and teams have had. Did you have the opportunity to play with him at all? Yeah, I played. Well, I played against him in college and in pro, but I played with him on the World Championship team. I think it was 03. And uh, yeah, he's had a great career and he's been. You know, wherever he's gone, he's he's been the backbone of that team. You know, had great success in Buffalo there. And speaking of Drury and and Grizzly, they were all together in Buffalo. That's right. Yeah, they made a couple really yeah, good a couple, runs. They, they had some good runs there. Um, yeah, great guy. Just a, another pro. Always taking extra shots and and being the guy that he's just a good guy as well. So it was like you see him stay in the league for as long as he uh, as long as he has, but not only just because of his abilities but because he's a great team guy as well so really happy for him and setting the record of of american born goalies and he's had a great career and wish him well in his next venture do you remember that i think it was 2011 when luchik ran him over oh yeah we wanted to keep that out of the uh yeah 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 (laughs) you gotta keep that out but yeah, he, no, uh, that wasn't good. I know he wasn't real happy with it. No, and, no, there was yeah. some tension there. So it's funny that yeah. that that I just thought of it. But uh, yeah, no, obviously I played against Brian's brother. Uh, I think it was Drew that ended up playing in Detroit for a long time. But great hockey family, Michigan State guys, and and obviously going to go down as one of the top, if not the top, U.S. born goalies. And obviously his run at the Olympics when they lost to Canada, he was amazing up there for Team USA. Another uh, American-born David Backus that was pretty emotional, pretty cool watching him and his return to St. Louis, and I think that'll be his last time playing. And obviously, I think you spent some time with him as well, Mots. But seems like another good character guy, and and another guy that you know has had an amazing career and um, been around a long time. And his playing days are kind of over, but uh, you know, seems like a, just a, a great leader and did some great things around the league. Yeah, he find, he'll find a spot after hockey, and I could see him in management. But he he came out of Mankato State, 
Minnesota State now, but after his season and he came to Peoria where I was playing and funny story, we put money up on the board for your first game or game winning goal or whatever. But I was like, hey, Bax, uh, his his 200 bucks, just write your name on the board and, and put it up on the board for your first pro game. And so fast forward, to, it was like last year, we were at the Bruins, or two years ago, Bruins golf outing. And he's like, hey, Mott, I, I, um, I always talk about when I came to the team and you, you borrowed me 200 bucks and, you know, I just thought that was really great. And, you know, I kind of do that for, for guys coming in. I'm like, yeah, by the way, that juice has been running for 15 <laughs> years here. So uh, I, I know you can... Uh, you can, put, you can afford you can it now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so no, I, but it was just two, really nice for him to... Do you get two um, grand in your glovey that you can you can pay me back? Yeah, I know. It was nice for him to bring that up. and But, you know, he's he's been a leader his whole career and has, has had a great career. And I you know, wish him, again, the best in, in the next step. But he, um, yeah, very emotional. And, like, he's, he, that's what he was. Like, he was an emotional player led by example and just really cared for the team, the organization, and great family guy too. Yeah, that's awesome. What about this pretty cool story that Michael Hauser makes his debut in, in, in Buffalo? And amazing story. It's his ninth pro season, 28 years old. Most of his time has been played in the ECHL. You know, he had 14 surgeries before the age of two. Doctors were concerned he would never even walk. And here he is living his, his dream. He ends up going winning his first two starts. You know, seems like a, a great person. But you had the opportunity to play with him, I think, right? Yeah, when you're a suitcase, you get to play with a lot of guys. Yeah, I'm seriously, like, anybody I'm else? Like all over the map. But yeah, I, I believe it was his rookie year, his second year. I, I, it was my last year in, uh, when I was in San Antonio uh, in Florida. And uh, just a really, really good guy from, from Pittsburgh. Um, just we <laughs> a little funny story on this one. We would have like a, you know, go to dinner. And like, so Trocek, Witt was down there, Joey Crab. So it was Trocek, Hauser, there were boys. It was and another kid. Fits, huh? Yeah, it was it was pretty fun though. Uh so we Hauser got sent down to the coast and you know, we went out and had uh dinner and we called it we called it the support group. You know, it's like, hey, it, you know, we <laughs> so we have this text chain and you know, make sure that, you know, good, bad, indifferent, you can call and and kinda kind of voice your uh, your situation. But so he comes back and this is when I come back at the end of the year and I took I took them all out like all the younger guys and we may have had a few libations and Mm -hmm. had them sleep over and i was like hey listen you know we're out of the playoffs it was just kind of a beautiful time uh down in um san antonio so we're enjoying ourselves and i was i was like hey this is how you become this is a pro you have to be a pro you have to get up early get something to eat and get uh to the rink and i don't care how fast you go you make sure that puck is on the tape you don't want to raise any red flags Right, you know, to the coaching staff that you're uh, you've been on. Yeah, you're playing guilty. Yeah, yeah. So, and Hauser, just all you have to do is stop the puck. You know, just get on your angle and let it hit you. So we're buzzing around, we're doing our thing, and the coach comes up to me. He's like, "Mott, what the heck did you do to these guys?" And I'm (laughs) like, "Uh, "What do you mean?" He's like, "They're brutal. They're (laughs) awful. Like, and they they stink like a brewery." I'm like, "What?" (laughs) I was just trying to teach him how to be pros, coach. And uh, <laughs> he's like, you did a terrible job of it. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, Garrett Wilson was the other guy there uh, who was always in the support group. But um, yeah, so how's he? I'm so happy for him the, of the time and effort and energy and the work he put in to, to get to that level right now and won his first two games. Unfortunately, ran into Jeff Carter last night, who was a scored four. But yeah, but he's just a super kid and well-deserved for putting the time and, and kind of like staying the course and all that adversity, like you mentioned, like he wasn't supposed to be even able to walk. And now he's kind of after a long, long journey playing in, in the league that he always dreamed of. So, so happy for him. I shot him a text and we'll see if we can get him on the podcast. He had to talk about it. Oh, that's awesome. I, I like seeing guys without shoulders make it too. You know what I mean? A fellow, <laughs> fellow guy like myself. He, uh, interesting cat. Call the cops. Yeah. Someone yeah, stole exactly. his shoulders. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm always rooting for a guy like that. And then you also had a buddy, Brett Murray, made his deb- debut as well. Well, yeah, he, just as far as a kid to be so excited, you know, he couldn't put it into words and, and just having that opportunity. He played two years at Penn State. and Penn State's got to be a great place to, to, to play now, huh? Yeah, great facility. You know, they, they, have, a, they have a good program, good good thing going there. Have but you just gone as out far there? As, I have, yeah. Yeah, it's been oh, – uh, it's. Good. It's a spectacular spot. Yeah, go on a recruiting trip there. You, you probably commit on the spot, you know. Yeah, just like ASU. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah. As far as the the positive coming out of that is like Buffalo, the, the terrible season that they've had. The positive is getting these young ki- kids some chances to play and and um, you know kind of prove them, themselves at that level. So, I'm happy for those guys. Yeah, nice little pay bump for guys too, getting a little a little taste of NHL yeah. money for a couple of days. We also, uh, you know, I thought it was it was it was nice that USA Hockey was able to to finalize and and play the national championships. There was some that took place in uh, I think Missouri and down in Texas and things like that. So all those national champions were awarded. You know, at the 14, 16s, eighteen uh, year old age groups. There's too many of them to name with all the different tier ones and tier twos and also the females, but other the, you know, the girls division as well, but it was good that they were able to play those and congratulations to all those teams that had, you know, good seasons were able to kind of battle through all the COVID stuff that, that went on. And definitely, definitely those, those are those tournaments that people will never forget, which, which must be a blast. I, I know Sean Skahan, his son's team at Shattuck St. Mary's, they ended up winning. And I know Mike Sousa's team, uh, his daughter's team at Asabeth Valley. I know they, they were able to to win one of the girls. I think it was tier two age group as well. So so pretty cool stuff and great memories for those kids. Yeah, that's that's awesome that they're able to get it all in. And I, I know a bunch of people who were able to play in the the tournament as well didn't win, but you know it, it is like those life lifelong memories that were created. That is nice to nice to get accomplished this year, even though there was some difficulties in getting some games in throughout the year. Yeah, and they, I mean. You hear how much I talk about that Pee Wee Quebec tournament and things like that that we won. So I'm sure these guys will be. Oh, you uh, want it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be <laughs> pounding their chests 20 years later, like we did. And how about that? Did did you guys watch that that fight? So my buddy had his father had recorded it. Speaking of the uh, the the Capitals and and Rangers saga, but that uh, Russia versus Little Caesars that brawl. So my buddy I play with at UNH, his father sent me the clip. We'll try to get it up on social media, but that brawl, it was insane. And they that's basically how we won it because that Russian team had like Kovalchuk. Little Caesars was stacked too. I'd love to see Russia's entire roster because there's definitely other guys playing. They were probably all like 37 years old at the time anyways. But they uh, that's why we were able to get through because of that brawl. But it was 
we were watching it live. It was incredible. The fight was, it was absolutely insane. I know the quality is probably not, we're so used to HD stuff nowadays, but the, uh, it was yeah, you can, get, absolute, you can get the gist of it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a royal rumble and a half, and to happen in that Pee Wee Quebec tournament was insane. All right, and speaking of champions and and premier hockey stores out there, TSR Hockey is uh, New England's premier hockey store and is a proud partner with the Rink Shrinks. TSR Hockey is the hockey store that specializes in fitting. TSR fits players correctly to the right gear to maximize each player's performance. TSR team and corporate sales department can outfit your team with the top brands in sports apparel. Ensure that your team looks the best this season by visiting www.tsrhockey.com. Yeah, they do a great job. I actually had some tough looking boots. Yeah, that, they were uh, beat up. Yeah, so the tendon guy was all busted up and the rivets were everywhere. And our good friends up at TSR, Brendan Chi, he was like, give me those skates. I got I to gotta doctor those up. So they do an unbelievable job with repair and uh, as well as outfitting complete teams and they can carry any uh, any brands that you want. So as far as a great option, TSR Hockey is the the spot that you should be checking out. Yeah, I think his direct quote was, Mots, you're a Hobie Baker winner. You played in the NHL and you're wearing equipment that looks like that. Like, step up your game. But he uh, he took care of you and made you look right. That's for sure. So make sure you guys visit uh, TSRHockey.com. And uh, we appreciate their partnership uh, with the Rink Shrinks. Um, Mots, one thing I, we were talking about baseball earlier I forgot to bring up. But the kids now not hustling on and off the field drives me crazy. Is that anything that you've noticed? Like kids not uh, – like I love the, the 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 run between the lines type of thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm I'm a huge fan of it, and it's so noticeable when someone doesn't. I hate I mean, dogging like just, it out there. What's the movie? Lally gagging. Lally gagging. Yeah. <laughs> Lally gagging over here. So it's it just I, – I would love to just play again as a kid. You know, you just grab your glove – yeah, you make an out, you know, you kind of bound, but hey, you know what? Now you're in the field. Let's go. And you just run out there and you know, you chuck the ball around, you warm up, you warm up like you're you're actually playing. You know, you have Napping some fun it with around. it. Ah, oh, I mean, I I just yeah, that's one thing that, you know, the, you hear the coach say it. Sometimes the coach is kind of sleeping too, and it's hey, you gotta you gotta step it up, you know, yeah. run. Let's go. Give me the you old get, get a little Sosa trot out to right field, the bombing out there. And, yeah, and a little bounce in your yeah, step. Yeah, do a couple jump squats, not snapping the ball around and get yourself ready to play. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I was watching the other night and it just, it, it, it really, uh, it really bothers me. So let's, let's step it up here, ball players. Make yourselves look good. You know what I mean? You get your Franklin, a, uh, you get your Franklin, Franklin gloves on. It's, it's baseball season. So you know what? I'm seeing things. Spend more time talking baseball than hockey I'm on seeing, this thing. Who are I'm seeing baseball stuff right now. I'm watching games and we got shot clock violations and we got lack <laughs> of hustle and I need it. I need that in my life. Be excited to get out there. And coaches, hold your players accountable. If they're not going to run on and off the field, sit them on the bench. It's very simple. They'll they'll get the message quickly. So as far as uh, TJ Oshie, did you, uh, you see that emotional hat trick that he had? Yeah, during that game, that was – that was that was fantastic, and uh, I mean, he just seems like such a a workhorse and a great guy, and and just a great team guy. And obviously, his father, who they you know they they called coach, I thought was uh, it was it was pretty cool that they put the stickers on the 
on their helmets and uh you know paid tribute to him and i can remember when they won the cup how emotionally he got talking about his dad and yeah i mean just to see the reaction of his teammates um you know that's what it's all about you know being part of a family there and i just yeah yeah i was getting a little emotional watching it you know you have a band of brothers that you can lean on but no one knows what he's really dealing with and to go out and score a hat trick for his dad uh the day after the passing is quite an accomplishment and quite a tribute to someone that was close to him and was a a big influence in his life a good story like emotional story coming out of that capitals rangers drama so it was it's nice to see speaking of kids that 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 worked hard uh team canada just just won the u18 gold medal that was great that they were get to the were able to get the u18 golds in uh or i should say championships in a couple young studs on that team exceptional status guys in the ohl 17-year-old Shane Wright had 14 points in five games, and 15-year-old Connor Bedard had 14 points in seven games. Did you che- uh, check any of that out, Mots? Those kids were uh, were pretty, pretty, pretty good players, obviously, and, and bright futures ahead of them. They were able to uh, Canada beat Russia Russia in the gold medal game, and good stuff. Yeah, I saw some of the highlights and read up on it, but that Shane Wright seems to be the real deal. They you know drawing comparisons. To some other players who had the exempt status or exceptional status, excuse me, and it's very difficult to put expectations on a young player. But progressed, and he played two less games than Bedard, and he he was the one getting a lot of the, the press and the the media. And Wright, for some reason, was kind of like under the radar, but immediate impact type player, like a franchise type player that can handle some of the the pressures that come along with that. That's all that uh, the news is coming on, coming back on him, like a Tavares type, uh, a McDavid. And it's very difficult to compare those type of players um, to a younger player. But, you know, you, you're you're in that position when you start progressing. And they, they say it, it's, it's not a slam dunk where sometimes the junior or college top players can translate to being a top NHL player. But all indicators point uh, to this kid right being the real deal. Yeah, they're going to be studs. Two studs, and uh, congrats to, to Team Canada for all you Canadian listens, listeners up there. Uh, good news on the women's front. They were able to at least come out with a statement that they are going to play the uh, Women's World Championship at the end of August. I know that was was frustrating for them, and, and they were going through some hard times. So I don't think they've come out with an exact date yet, but it looks like at the end of August. So happy for the uh, all the women, and, and you know they can – showcase showcase their talent at the end of the summer yeah it's great for them to get that on on the books and make sure that it's going to go you know they work so hard and to have it canceled once again would have been disastrous for for the the women uh, that have put their time and energy and effort in and, and dedicated their last two years to this and so Good for them to make sure that it's going to happen. Yeah, they said it is going to be up in Canada. I know that was a little bit of the you know the headache. Obviously, Team Canada they just won that that U uh, eighteen was in in the states, and as were the USA Hockey things we talked about. So hopefully they can. That'll be a good tournament. And quick shout out to Jack Rathbone, who obviously had a great career at at, at Harvard. He made his uh, debut this week and uh, in a second game uh, had a nice snipe last night for the Vancouver Canucks. So West Roxbury born, you know, Boston native. So he's a, uh, a good friend of uh, uh, my family's. And I know his father was a BC Eagle like yourself, Mott. So good stuff there. And I, I just want to give a quick shout out to to Jack and all the hard work he's put in. And uh, his father, Jason, obviously is a, is a great guy and a friend of the families. Yeah. It's been really uh, 
great to watch his progression and his development. You know, he played at Dexter yep. in high school, went on to Harvard, had an opportunity to go to the USHL, but, you know, just shows the character type kid that he is coming from a great family, stayed close, uh, wanted to be around his autistic brother and mm-hmm. stepped into that the Utica lineup and had an immediate impact. It was lighting it up in the AHL, got rewarded with the call up and didn't disappoint in his second game there, popping a, a nice goal, jumping into the play there and being on his toes and snapping at home. So really excited for him and his family and bright future for ja- uh, ahead of Jack Rathbone and excited to follow his, his success. Well, I think it's time we bring in Looch. Great interview here. So I hope you guys, hopefully you guys enjoy it. All right, hang tight there, Luch. I want to introduce the uh, newest sponsor to the Rink Shrinks, Cross Country Mortgage and uh, Chris Devon, the Devo Group. You may have heard them on other podcasts, including our friends over at Chicklets. We're pumped and appreciate that our friend Devo is jumping on board with us here. If you own a home and you haven't looked into refinancing in a while, having a quick chat with Devo to see if it makes sense for you is a no-brainer. Many people don't understand the impact that a refinance can have on your monthly savings or overall wealth. Devo may be able to help you save on a monthly basis so that you can put more money into savings or other projects uh, or pay off that credit card bill, Mott. Check him out at chrisdevin.com. Again, go to chrisdevin.com and he and the team at Cross Country can let you know if they can save you some dough. Cross Country Mortgage, LLC, NMLS, number 47305. That's great. Yeah, Devo's the man. We go back a little ways and does a great job. So CCM Mortgage, they have Cross Country Mortgage with the Devo Group. Check it out. And now it's time for Milan Luchik. All right, we're pleased to have join us on the Rank Shrinks podcast, Milan Luchik. Recently off his 1,000th game. He was drafted by the Boston Bruins in the second round of 50th overall. Got traded to the LA Kings, played for the Edmonton Oilers, and now is currently with the Calgary Flames. Welcome to the podcast, Looch. Looch. Happy to be on, fellas. Missy Motts, how you doing? Doing great, buddy. Doing great. Thanks for taking the time. So just breaking news here. We just got word about your decision to waive your no movement clause. It doesn't surprise me, Mooch. So we just like to hear from you real quick about that. Uh, what went into the decision making process? Obviously, I know you as a person, the character guy you are, but this speaks volumes to letting the Calgary Flames have some more flexibility in the upcoming expansion draft. But we'd like to hear from you if if you don't mind. Yeah, just you know, it's one of those things. You don't you you don't want to handcuff the team, right? And um there's some really good you know young players on this team that you know they would rather um protect than me <laughs> and uh so yeah like i said you just don't want to handcuff the team it was it was actually part of the deal when i got traded here uh was i wanted them to honor my no move clause that i got had but it was kind of one of those handshake things where uh um i said i will waive it uh, to make sure I don't handcuff the the Flames in the expansion draft with Seattle. And, um, you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason. You know, if Seattle really wants me, then, you know, that's where I'll be. And if the flame, if I'm meant to be a flame after this season, that's what's meant to be as well. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I've really enjoyed Calgary and I've said that many of times. And um, we have a couple games left here and, 
got to make the most of it. So, uh, so yeah, it's just one of those things, like I said, you just don't want to handcuff the organization and have them lose uh, a good young star in the making or, or star right now in his, uh, in, in his prime. Oh, that's great, Luch. And obviously one of the, the biggest uh, messages that we try to stress here on the podcast is being a good teammate and being a leader and stuff like that. And that just speaks volumes about your character. And that's something that Mots and I try to stress quite a bit here and, and talk about character of young players and families and, and things like that. So it that's off to you, man. That's that's unbelievable. And it just shows the true character that you are. We talk about kind of the path. And before we get into that, where do you think some of that, that trait of being a good, solid stand-up person came from just outside of the rank? Well, I think it obviously starts with your family and the way that you were raised. Uh, so I give a lot of credit to my parents and my grandparents and my brothers and um, all that type of stuff. You know, just... Uh, especially my parents, you know, just always telling me to like appreciate everything, you know, uh, be a good person, love the people around you, uh, treat people the way that you want to be treated and all that type of stuff. So uh, I, I, I was really lucky and fortunate to have the upbringing that I did um, with the family that I did. And I think you know, that's the reason why I am the way that I am. And, I, and you know what? You know, you guys talk about, you know, being a good teammate and all that type of stuff. That's one of the things that I think I stress to the young guys coming into the league, you know, more than anything is, you know, be a good teammate, you know. And I know what it's like. You know, I was 19 years old, Vancouver kid, being in Boston. And Boston's a great city, you know, all that type of stuff. But you got to remember – I had no family there. I had no friends there. I had no teammates that I played previously with. So, um, you know, I didn't have outlets other than my teammates. And I loved my teammates like I loved my family. And I was fortunate to have the teammates that I did. You know, one guy that sticks out more than anything is is um, – Sean Thornton, uh, who was an unbelievable teammate, unbelievable person. And, you know, he was hard on you and all that type of stuff, but he had your back and he'd bring you up for dinner and he, you know, he'd hug you and, but he'd also punch you and punch you in the arm too. You know what I'm trying to say? And, but it's all those things. It's, it's being a good teammate, you know, you know, love them like they're one of your own. And because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, you know, that's, that's, that's really all you have at the end of the day is your reputation and what kind of guy you were. Well, that's great. Now, as far as bringing us back a little bit, how'd you get your start in hockey and uh, who are some of the bigger influences in that process? Well, I was fortunate that I had a, I had an uncle who made the NHL, uh, Dan Kessa, my mom's brother. Um, so he obviously, I remember being a little, little kid and he was playing in the WHL for the Prince Albert Raiders and, um, and then he was on the Canucks for a little bit in 93, 94. And, um, and then he spent the full year in Pittsburgh in 98, 99, and um, Tampa in 99, 2000. So to have someone in the bloodlines, you know, playing a, a professional sport, um, it's really easy to look up to that because you want to be that. You know, I remember when he was home in the off seasons, it was so cool that he was around and, and all that fun stuff you just wanted to be just like him and so I, I you know 
it was him that was, you know, that influence for me as a, as a young kid. Now, did you just take, take a liking to the game right away? Did you love it? Like, do you remember your early, early years? Like how old did, were you when you started and did you play other sports? Walk us through kind of that early Milan Luchik days. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved it more than anything. <laughs> I think I wish I, I wish I could go back and see little Luke. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'd be little, but well, you know, we got Milan Junior coming through the pipelines, right? Oh, so we yeah. can we can live through him, Mots. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna put him in like baseball or something. He can be a Red Sox or something yeah, like that. There we go. <laughs> now we're talking, uh, kid. But no, no, I I loved it from the day I stepped on the ice. Um, I think my parents lied. That me and my older brother were twins, so that I could start. <laughs> I think I was like three and a half when I started. That's and, a great move. Uh, at the Agrodome in East Vancouver, right off of uh, Renfrew and Hastings. It's actually where the miracle is filmed. And, oh, really? and you know, remember when Happy Gilmore has um, you know, endless love in the dark? You know, that's <laughs> that, that's, that's the arena that's that the I rink. Yeah, that's the rink that I first played on. Oh, that's awesome! And, that's yeah, great. and was that Zamboni driver the same guy? Uh, no. <laughs> it but wasn't. Happy Gilmore, anything, uh, anything. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, that's where I started playing. Uh, me and my older brother, we were on the same teams for like the first, I think, four or five years, and just loved it. Loved every minute of it, every moment of it. I remember even my dad telling me he's like, "I think I scored a goal my very first game." Uh, and I was out there like a, you know, bruiser right away off the, off the bat, you know. <laughs> Big and, time uh, player at a young age. I love it. Yeah. And, you know, and and I still love it. But, uh, but yeah, you know, you talk about other sports and I played everything. Like I literally played everything that I could. And uh, in school sports, recreational sports, whatever it was, you know, I – I signed up and joined. Uh, but well, well, the one weird thing is, is that in Vancouver, um, soccer was in the fall. So soccer started at the same time as hockey. So literally the only sport I never played was soccer. Uh, but other than that, like I did everything. I did. You can even go on YouTube. I have my boxing fight on there. Uh, played high school basketball, played high school rugby, played, uh, you know, even my gym teachers used to tell me they were like, Every gym class, I would try to win every race, even if it was a warm-up race. I would, you know, all that type of stuff. It was just the type of personality I was. It wasn't like anyone was telling me to do all this. I just did it that way, and here I am, you know, still living the dream and fighting a good fight and, and having a good time along the way, you know? And that's that's the, all the stuff that we we promote here, you know, trying to be a uh, a good athlete. You know, right now everything's very specific. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of time commitment, money commitment to to play organized sports. But we had Sean Skahan on the Minnesota strength and conditioning coach, and he made a really good point. You can be a good athlete being in the backyard, picking something up, being able to throw a spiral or hit a ball or kick a ball around and, and, and play in the backyard. You don't have to say play organized sports to be a good athlete. And that's, that, that was a good, it kind of struck me as a great talking point for some of these kids who think that they have to play on a team to be a good athlete. So it's one, one, one area where I like to encourage the kids to get out and, and try different things. And like you were talking about, you, you played everything, right? And it applies to hockey when you start doing it eventually. And you don't really know what you really love unless you try it all, right? And mm. 
there's other skill sets that you can learn from the other sports that can help you with, let's say, hockey. You know, like right. you play baseball, that hand-eye, you know, it can help you with tips or batting pucks out of the air. And you, you know what I'm saying? It's just it all, like to your point, it all can apply to to whatever you're trying to love and achieve. Absolutely. Yeah. Those, those transferable skills is that's, that's Mott's little slang there. And it's, it really is. It's so, they're, they're so valuable. And I think also that competitive nature, right? Because you might pick up that, whether it's a football or soccer ball, or baseball, and you might not be as naturally gifted as you are with a stick and puck, but you have to learn and you got to compete and, and raise that compete level and do whatever it can you can so that you can become the best player you possibly can and, and try to succeed in that other sport. And it's going to help, you know, motivate you in your kind of that, that sport that you're, you're better at. So I think that's a great message. It's really, it's just, it's been frustrated us now for, for a number of years in the early specialization and things like that. And, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, were you playing hockey year round, like doing summer tournaments and things like that? Or was that, was that something that was stressed upon your family to kind of put the bag away and, and play those other things as much as possible? I definitely did not play hockey 12 months a year. Um, yeah. When it was, like I said, I played the school sports in sports. I remember I remember in high school going from our high school rugby game, jumping in the car, and then going to the hockey game. So you play a rugby game and then go play a hockey game right after that. But uh but scrumming no, like, it up. Yeah. What's that? You're scrumming it up on the oh, ice. Yeah. 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 I, was, I was a good flanker. Uh, uh, but, but but yeah, no, when it like June, July and August, there was, you know, I wasn't playing hockey. I was playing the other sports, and I was being a kid and riding my bike and playing baseball and lacrosse and and basketball and, you know, all that other fun stuff. So what's interesting, too, to the point I think that we're trying to make here is, like, I see these young kids now. They all come into the NHL, and they all have hip problems at like 19, 20, 21 years old. And they're all getting labrum hip surgeries, which is like a major surgery at 21, 22 years old. And it's because they're playing hockey 12 months a year. And I get it. Like everyone says, oh yeah, you got to put the time and you got to put the time in. But you know what? If you're if you're a great athlete and you got it, you'll get to where you want to go to. No matter, you know, how you don't have to put 12 months a year into playing one individual sport, you know, being a kid and having friends and uh, enjoying life, I think is, is a big part of it as well. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. You know, the negative, like we talk about just, you know, trying to get out there and play different sports, but the, the positive of it is preserving your body and using different muscles and the negative of playing year round is that those injuries and I just had my hip replaced, who uh, Luch, but I'm oh, I yeah. the old, old bastard. Hip, You're you know? an old guy, eh? yeah. <laughs> young and hot though, kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we uh, I I decided to get it done. But what you were saying though, that doesn't surprise me. You know, the technology of the skates a lot stiffer, so that energy is isn't getting lost in the ankles. It's going up to the knee, and then it, all it has is go to the hip, and that's an unnatural move. So unfortunately, that's the way it's going. And if we can help out younger kids and provide an outlet to talk about being a good athlete and, and 
listen to a player like you who's been at the highest level for a long time and and didn't specialize at an early age. It's hopefully we can help a few kids out there and some listeners and guide some parents along the way. So that's a that's a good point. Luch, when you were playing youth hockey in Vancouver, obviously the nowadays the checking in Massachusetts starts in at the bantam level like but when we were younger we started really right from mites on up in the in the select or, or program were you i was just thinking of it as i'm looking at you on the screen here and i was like as a squirt <laughs> if if the puck got dumped in my corner and you were coming down on me that would have been pretty intimidating did you guys play checking and stuff year round and what are your thoughts on that oh no, no i shouldn't say year round but from uh, an early age or did it start like peewee's bantams i remember um I, in spring hockey, uh, there was checking, but in the regular league, there was no checking. And then I think the checking started when we were like 12, 13, or 14 or something like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know what that would be as far as. Yeah, probably head. like pee- yeah, peewees or, so, or something. That, yeah, that. yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I was just, I just kind of got goosebumps thinking about going back and retrieving a puck. <laughs> now you would have had, you the, about it, if you can believe it, there were bigger kids than, than me, you know, playing well, hockey. Yeah, you, you were playing three years up with your brother. Yeah. <laughs> He's only one year older than me. So, you yeah, know, he was you, playing two years up. You guys were up a, a few age groups, maybe. <laughs> oh, I would have had the luch flu. I'd be like, <laughs> I can't yeah, play this I game. Remember, I remember doing the gauntlet. You guys remember doing the gauntlet? Oh, yeah. You had to, go down the boards and everyone got a shot at you and all that type of stuff. It was, but that's, that's how you kind of, that's how you kind of learn how to take a hit or give a hit was, was doing that at a young age. And like, I, I understand like, you know, making the game safe and, and head injuries and all that type of stuff. I know that's, you know, that's, that's, that's big and everything. And I know certain kids develop, before other kids so there are naturally just some bigger kids on the ice and the other kids and if they run into a little kid you know it's unfortunately someone's going to get hurt and when you play a contact sport you know people tend to get hurt and that's what happens but I also feel when you teach kids how to hit or take a hit at a younger age they're more prepare for it and they're not skating through the middle with their head down they're not cutting in and doing something you know you, you know what i'm trying to say here it's like 100 percent. yeah i, I, I absolutely feel like it, it, i'm not talking about like blowing somebody up but like learning how to rub a guy out or learning how to take a check when a guy is trying to rub you out i think that's important to teach someone s- sooner than later because then they know how to protect themselves. And I think, you know, when you watch a boxing match, what does the ref say? He goes, protect yourself at all times. That's, you know, he tells the fighter before the fight starts, protect yourself at all times. And I think when you jump off the boards or out the gate and you're on the ice, the same rules apply on the ice. I'm not saying the game of hockey is a boxing match, but I'm saying that same rule, protect yourself at all times, you know, applies when you're on the ice because, you know, you don't know who's going to hit you or, and all that type of stuff. And I, like I said, if you learn 
how to protect yourself from a younger age. You know how to, yeah, protect yourself. Your message is absolutely perfect. And that's exactly, it was kind of the point I was trying to make is, is at a younger age, you know, you're more elusive. You can kind of adapt. You're kind of like Gumby out there, right? But you learn that, that on ice awareness and you learn to kind of, okay, I, I have to be aware here that there's potential for body contact and that protect yourself. You learn how to give a hit, you learn how to take a hit. And it's so important and it really helps when you, you know, when you climb the ranks of hockey. I watch it now where the checking starts at the Bantam level and you have some kids that are full grown with mustaches going and they're starting to hit puberty and you get other kids that literally, <laughs> you know, uh, they're still babies. And it's it, it, it actually at coaching at that level, it's pretty scary because you see some of the hits and you see kids playing with their head down because they get so used of their first, you know, their first six or seven years of that youth hockey playing and just having like no stress out there, just carefree, carrying the puck through the middle of the ice or as a defenseman, which which Mots and I were like going back for pucks and not getting used to scanning the zone and looking over your shoulder and things like that. And you see some injuries, and I think at the end of the day, it causes kids to, at that point, be like, hey, I can't handle this kind of body con- contact. Whereas at the younger ages, if it's taught and it's it's learned, they can they adapt a little bit quicker because they're, they're not used to that playing with their head down and things like that. Yeah. I, I feel like the, a couple reasons why they bumped it up was to keep the engagement in for youth kids and, you know, the money, obviously, you know, re- registration fees you know, for that extra year is a huge number for, let's just say USA hockey, but it does, it is kind of productive for all the reasons that we're talking about, but to, to be able to absorb a hit and, still maintain possession of the puck. It's such a skill, right? You're protecting a puck, but being able to use the boards and protect yourself in, in, in a, you know, confrontational situation and, and still maintain possession. It's such a skill that, you know, goes unnoticed at times. It's very tough to kind of just teach. You have to get hit, you know, and it's very important to, you know, get those reps in, but like to BY's point, you know, there's some, some kids out there, like I'm seeing it firsthand. My son, Ryan is in, high school and I've, I've coached them all along, but he's playing high school now. And all of a sudden you're watching and these kids just don't realize there's a puck on the ice at times. And it's like unbelievable. They're just running around trying to take each other's heads off. And it's an emotional game that kicking the boys. I'm like, this is, this is nuts. Instead of just separating the guy from the puck and Luch could do either or. And that's what was dangerous about you. It's like, I, you, you could, separate the guy from the puck violently or you could just kind of give him a nudge and do it like most guys but that was why going back for a puck against you was more difficult than most so (laughs) big time so so now it's time for our franklin sports question of the week we're always talking about how important it is to play multiple sports growing up and not getting burnt out by too much hockey and keeping it fun it's also important to develop skills like eye hand coordination from baseball oil across, footwork and soft hands from flag football or soccer. Our partner Franklin Sports can act as your one-stop shop for all the equipment you need to play these other sports. In addition to street hockey equipment, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off, that's right, 20% off their entire website of sports equipment at franklinsports.com. Enter the coupon code RINKSHRINKS for 20% off site-wide through the end of 2021. Soccer balls, nets, footballs, batting gloves, baseball equipment, pickleball, cornhole, volleyball, and more. That's 20% off if you enter the code RINKSHRINKS. Yeah, right, Mots. That's, uh, and 
it's one word, ring shrinks, that you don't have to worry about the capitalization and capitalization and things like that. I got my Franklin uh, custom batting gloves on right now. Uh, I got I got a little BY on there. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, the white with some gold. They're actually my sons, but they're pretty sick. Uh, but again, utilize that 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 coupon code, not just for street hockey stuff. They are the official street hockey partner of the NHL, but also um, everything from from all those different sports and uh and these batting gloves one of my kids last night had a had a couple hits i'm not gonna say who and uh he's like dad the batting gloves were sick i didn't feel any vibration and this and that i'm like all right buddy but he uh yeah no they're good stuff and 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 you know welcome aboard and we really appreciate it and and all the hard work that my buddy chris rod who uh is over at franklin we grew up playing hockey together and uh, good stuff. Really great people over there. They're locally owned and um, over in Stoughton, Mass. And and thanks for the uh, the support of the podcast. Yeah, I grew up two miles away from the uh, the offices over there and War Franklin equipment coming through. Uh, World Juniors Pro. So the the uh, gloves and and pants are, are amazing. Back in the day, you know, they're out of the on ice gear, but that entry stuff with street hockey and all the backyard sports that we talk about. Being an athlete without playing organized sports, Franklin Sports is your your one stop shop. What was one of your favorite like mini hockey uh, stories or street hockey outside of outside of the rink? Uh, we saw a cute little video of you and your guy. You know, he was pounding pucks. I think he has a better one timer than you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the uh, Franklin street hockey balls, and you know, it was a, a great setup there with the water in the background. So a little yeah, video there. That was at the beach house in Vancouver, and uh, it was pretty cool to do that with them last year. Yeah, you know, it's just just like the regular things, like all the kids growing up, you know, playing knee hockey with the mini sticks and all that type of stuff. I remember, uh, I remember actually coming to Calgary here because they used to have a big tournament called the Stampede, and it was during the Stampede, and we, you know, we had a team from Vancouver come up and like a select team and you know everyone's staying at the same hotel and you know playing knee hockey in the in the hallways that's you know that was actually almost more fun than actually playing the tournament uh, the games in the tournament but uh but yeah just just the, just the regular stuff i think you know what I, I think it was pretty cool that i grew up with uh i'm the middle child of you know three boys you know having two brothers um basically growing up doing everything together uh had some pretty cool neighbors too you know playing whatever we were playing uh, a lot of back alley uh um um hockey street hockey sorry uh you know car coming by car having to pick the net up <laughs> you know it's funny I, I you know what as an adult i don't think i've ever driven down an alley and a kid had to move there are hockey net out of the way, which is kind of weird because that was such a thing for, I'm sure the three of us growing yeah. up, you know, yep. car coming down the street. Oh, car. You have to yeah. go move. Uh, Wayne's world. But you know, as an adult now, I haven't seen that, you know, cause I think everything is so, I don't know. Structure, organized structure. Now, right? yeah. You know, everything yep. is so much structure. Yeah. Like you said to, to everything. And, uh, but you know those are those are the things I remember and and you know pretty cool that I experienced it the way that I did. Yeah, we all. If it had, wasn't raining in Vancouver, <laughs> we all still have those rug burns on our knees too from the mini hockey games and things I like think that. They're permanent. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I know uh, in the hotels now during the year when we play, the kids, like, they, they look forward. It doesn't matter if they win or lose. It's like, yeah, can we play mini hockey for an hour after the game? And that's, I mean, I try to, it, it's funny because you, you rein the parents in a little bit because they get all rattled, like, oh, we didn't play good and this and that. And I'm like, these kids are going to remember the time they just spent in the hotel or the, you know, in the pool and things like that. And like you just yeah. said, playing with kids from other cities and other towns and things like that more than they are, whether they want to lost that, that game in some stupid tournament. Yeah. Well, we didn't do so well in a couple of tournaments. One of them was, I brought all the dads in. It was just dads, no mom's game. I'm like, all right, let's huddle this up. This is probably never going to happen again. <laughs> let's really enjoy this boys. Right? And the, the kids did all right. Your boys trip, eh? Yeah. All right. And then, you know, but they dominated the pool. They, they dominated the knee hockey in the pool. So they, they, came home winners right so i'm like this will never happen again the next year we went to buffalo i'm looking around there's not one mom i'm like all right boys you know hands in you know like <laughs> <laughs> so it was unbelievable and then the following year we went to nashville and everyone kind of jumped on board so it was uh you know, yeah, the years. moms are all over that trip. Yeah. Oh, really? The moms didn't want to go to Buffalo, but they wanted yeah. to go to Nashville. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, Let, let's plan a trip down to like Florida. We'll say we're going to Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll work for sure. Yeah, Steel Town. No one wants to go to Steel Town. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. Sneak a Florida trip in there. Luch, I wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, as you, you're climbing the ranks a little bit. And um, I think it was 2003 or so. You were, you know, it was, would, would that have been a year to get? potentially drafted in the WHL yes. Yes. and you, you weren't, and you, you kind of went through some hard times and ups and downs in your hockey career, but talk about that. And I think that's just a great message. Talk about how old you were at that point in time and, you know, where you were at in, in your career and, you know, fast forward five or six years later, you end up, you know, you're, you're in the NHL, which is amazing. And it just, again, talks to you, to your character and, and how much you love the game and kept working at it. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty crazy when you think about it now, you know, uh, it's because like you said, it's 2003, you're 15 year old kid. Uh, there was a, a U 16 tournament called BC best ever. And they took like eight districts around British Columbia and they have a tournament and it's called BC best ever. And I think I was the leading scorer on my team and I think I was like fourth in the tournament in scoring. And um, and that's where all like the WHL scouts come to watch. You know, that's like the big finale before they make their big picks for the old WHL draft. And 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 I remember I got passed up and I and I remember coming home from school that day and you know, you're hitting the F5 refresh button on the computer to see if your name's taken and every round goes by and I think there's 15 rounds and then it gets to like round 13, 14, 15 and you start seeing teams are starting to pass because they can only protect 50 players. It's the players on the roster and the players that they draft and players that they have maybe in other leagues or whatnot or even some guys in college. And I remember sitting at the dinner table, you know, that day and, and um, I, I, I actually even broke down and started, you know, to, to cry because I felt like my dream of being a hockey player was over. And, you know, because I wasn't taken in, in the WHL draft and 
Um, yeah, so it was it was it was an interesting time because I don't you know it this this was before the whole and now like Canada and especially Vancouver there's hockey academies and you know there's parents paying like twenty five grand a year just for their kids to go to these hockey academies and stuff which to me I think it's absurd but um, you know. Back then, there was there was none of this going on, so you had to play like in the zone that you were in, and and I was like I said in East Vancouver, and there wasn't a lot of talented hockey players where I grew up, but I couldn't go play somewhere else, uh, so I was always in tier two uh, growing mm-hmm. up, so nobody ever saw me play, and but. You know, like I told you, I get passed up in the draft and all that type of stuff. And the hardest thing for me was to actually get into the junior ranks, which is crazy to say. The hardest, like even getting on a junior B team was the hardest thing in my whole hockey life because nobody knew who I was because I played on a tier two team and and nobody was willing to take a chance on me. And then... You know, I go back as a 15-year-old, undrafted to the WHL, playing a year of midget. And then I don't know how it works for you guys, but, like, in Vancouver, the junior teams, the junior A, the junior B, even the WHL teams, they'll send you, like, camp invites. And they're, like, little – you know, they almost look like the like Pizza Hut sent you, like a, like a, like a flyer. You know what I'm trying to say? A gift card. Hey, yeah, yeah, gift card. Yeah, hey, for 150 bucks, you can come to camp and try to make the team. So I, you know, I showed up to that, and it was a junior B team called the Delta Ice Hawks, and I showed up to that, and I had a really good camp and uh, rookie camps, and then they invited me to main camp, and um, the coach and well, there was only like one coach and no GM, whatever. Uh, Shane Cuss, he saw that I was good, and he was the guy that actually finally took a chance on me. And once that door opened for me, everything kind of just fell into place. And I only lasted 14 games with that team, and then I was called up to Junior A with the Coquitlam Express, and then I think three, four games into with the Coquitlam Express – the Vancouver Giants watched me, and they listened to me. And then, you know, getting a chance to play junior hockey for my hometown team, you know, I couldn't pass that up. And, yeah, everything just kind of fell into place. And it's really interesting that you say what you said. In 2003, like, I was in complete limbo as far as my hockey career goes. And then four years later, I'm suiting up in Dallas to play my first NHL game. So it was a crazy roller coaster ride and and I literally did everything I had to do to try to get to that level and and I think you're right is saying, you know, you don't get to this point unless you really love the game. And it's not just and this is what I, you know, I had a I had a dinner with my agent you know during this whole COVID stuff and I was and I told him one thing I was like yeah you can love the game and it's easy to love the good stuff and like but you also got to love the stuff that sucks you got to love when your legs are hurting after a hard leg day in the gym you got to hurt you got to 
You got to love when the fans are yelling at you. You got to love when the media is all over you. You got to love when you're being annoyed because you're being asked for too many autographs. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? You got to love every single part of it. And that's the only way you get to where you ultimately want to go. That's an amazing message. I mean, the stick to itiveness and like the the believability in yourself, right? I'm sure you it wavered a little bit back in that 03 year when you're 15 years old. But this is I'm living it right now, you know, with my own son and his his friends, and they're at a very impressionable time. And I try to like help them in any way I can. And you know, some kids didn't make their varsity teams, and they they put a lot of work in. But those setbacks can help. It's one of these things. It's easy for us as adults to look back and say, you know, it's going to be a positive, and and you know, work through it, and you know, good things will come from it. But when you're living it in the moment, it's very difficult. And that was a good synopsis of your your path through that that tough time. But I'm sure, you, like you said, you're winning every race in gym. It's not like you're out there loafing around. You know, you you, you should have been noticed, even if it was there too, in my opinion. So, what was the coach's name? Cuss. Yeah. Shane Cuss. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you should probably uh, send him a ball. Well, I still of talk to him. I still talk to okay. him. So, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we still have a good relationship. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, you know, I look back on people that influenced me or, or gave me a break. And one of those guys was Brent Sutter. And I know he coached you in the 2007 Summit Series, uh, Super Series, right? So yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. But we, I know uh, BY has a couple Memorial Cup stories that he wants to hear about and chat about. So I'll read I'll read a quick quote because my first, my first impression, uh, so I was lucky enough, you're uh, the Memorial Cup that was in Moncton when, yeah, uh, yeah. when Keith was playing. Yeah. I remember seeing you and I don't know if it was like the first game you played them or obviously I went to to a bunch of the games and I'm like, wow, this kid, you know, big, strong kid. And obviously, uh, you know, you you had the the hunch in your back. What's the, the what's the um, it's called the, Sherman's 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 right. Right. Yeah. So I'm like this kid, you were out and you were a force. And at the time you were, you were still it was your first full season in the in the WHL. You made an immediate impact on the ice and just banging bodies and you could just tell people feared you right away but when i when i texted keith that you were coming on he sent me a text and he said he goes loot said to me my first shift at the mem cup looked me dead in my eyes and said i'm gonna beep and run you all night and keith <laughs> keith obviously i you know being a massachusetts guy had no idea who you were he was probably a year or two older and he said you know, he looked at himself and he's like, Jesus Christ, who is this animal I got to deal with right now? <laughs> well, we knew but, Keith, Keith was one of the best players on Moncton. So uh, that was it. Know, and, my, yeah. and, and our junior coach, Don Hay, he literally had us like foaming from the mouth to like go after guys. So he, you know, that was, I was just relaying the message of what we needed to do to win from the coach. And that was to go after uh, Keith, and but they beat us that game, and then they beat us in the semifinals, and yeah, it was that w- that wasn't that great of an experience. Uh, yeah, it got you guys ready for the next year, though, right? You guys yeah, ended up coming back. Next year was next year was a good time, and I'm actually, you know what? I'm actually surprised that Moncton didn't win that one because they were by far the best. I think they were by far the best team in that tournament. And what I also think is very interesting for how good Moncton was, it's really funny that like only two players from that team are like 
known names and still in the NHL. And yeah. that just goes to show, like, you know, I talked about me playing in tier two or, uh, you know, you can be on the best team. Uh, you can pay money to be on the best team, but, you know, it's you have to be a good player and a special talent to to make it to the next level. And, and like I said, other than Keith and Marshy, you know, you don't I, – I, I probably can't even name you – well, who was the one guy's name? Matt Marcourt? He he ran yeah, the over – Yeah, he was tough. He was an animal. Shift. The only reason why I remember him is because he ran me over hard. But other <laughs> yeah. than that, I don't really remember anyone on that uh, anyone else on that team. Yeah, Luke uh, Bourdon, who tragically oh, yeah, yeah, passed right, yeah. away. He was a really yeah. good defenseman, and I'm trying to think. Yeah, Andy McDonald was a was was a oh, yeah, you know, right. he had, a, he, he had a, yeah. a solid career. And uh, yeah, career. who's the other guy that was drafted by by Boston? The Latvian kid. Yes, Carsons. Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, Marty he played Carlton. a couple. I remember we were there together, yeah. and he played a couple games. Unfortunately for him, he didn't have much of a career. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And it was funny seeing Marshawn back then because he was he was like a younger guy and sticking guys but and things like that. He was the like same. The same exact. It was unbelievable. Oh yeah. I remember like. I remember talking to teammate, and you want to kill for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah exactly, exactly. I remember see, like my father always being like, "I don't know how this kid gets away with it. Like he's only 16 years old. Somebody's gonna take his head off someday." And I'm like, "Yeah, he's still doing it 20 years later." And 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 talk about an unbelievable player. Oh my god! And he keeps so, getting better somehow. So it's good yeah, on him. So uh, I love him, and I'm happy for him, and I hope he keeps it going. Yeah, that's great. Talk to us about winning the uh, the Mem Cup the following year. Was that the year that you had the shift? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if you haven't seen the shift, just go on YouTube <laughs> and write in Milan Lucic's shift. Yeah, it was it was great. Like, you know, I talked about being a hometown kid, playing for my hometown junior team. Um, that was that was actually one of the biggest reasons why I left junior A to go to the dub because I knew the Giants were going to host in 07. So I was like, oh, that's, you know, I get a chance to, you know, play in the Memorial Cup. And Don Hayes, the coach, he coached, made it to the NHL level as a coach, and you get to get there. And, you know, it's one of those cool things where, you know, you're a hometown kid playing for your hometown team, playing in the Coliseum, which is right beside the Endless Love Rink, Agridome. Uh, you know and and it was off like that was the old Canucks building it was there were 16,000 people there that day uh for that final and I think it was like my third shift of the game and get on the ice skate down the ice run a guy over puck gets out in neutral zone run another guy over we get a chance puck squirts in the corner run another guy over and I get in a fight and I just remember the crowd is going absolutely bananas and all that type of stuff. And um, I think that shift literally got me into the NHL. So I'm very, very thankful not to just to be a champion in that Mem Cup, but, you know, for that shift, because I think that opened a lot of people's eyes on, on giving me a chance because of what I did uh, in those 40 seconds in that game. Yeah, that's you know a little sneak peek into what you're capable of, though, right? So that that is yeah. uh, pretty nice on a big stage to to boot, and then getting the game winning uh, assist 
to cap it all off though but j- just that camaraderie like I, we talk about sometimes because we both went to college the best pro teams we played on kind of had that camaraderie of like a junior team or a college team the closest thing to it you know in pro it's t- difficult to do that and duplicate it but i feel that the closest thing that you get to that type of com- camaraderie is is where you'll have the most success and i was fortunate enough to have it on a few teams but you're dealing with different personalities and different egos at the NHL level or AHL level, and it's tough to duplicate. But talk about that group that you won with. Uh, still, I'm sure, lifelong friends. Oh, yeah, and you're right. You're, you're completely right. I think it's it's easy to have that camaraderie because everyone's you know within four years of each other. Uh, no one's making money. No one's – nobody cares who's got a better car. Nobody cares about – you know, any of all that, any of that type of stuff. And, and yeah, it's, it's honestly like there's truly nothing better than when you get to experience that type of camaraderie. And, and, you know, we had a 10 year anniversary four years ago in 2017. And I think everyone came except two guys and, it was, you know, it was a blast. It was like, it was like we were right back in junior just to be around each other, you know? And it was, it's, it's something I think uh, for any kids or parents that listen to this, I think, you know, if you get to a junior rank or you get to college, you know, embrace it, take it all in, you know, like have fun with it. I know there's, I know you're trying to achieve a goal. I know you're trying to get drafted. I know you're trying to get to the NHL, but be a good, like, have fun in the moment and live in the moment, you know, like, be who you are. And, and, and like I said, I was so lucky and fortunate that I had the, I had the group that I had and I still talk to like a handful of those guys. And, you know, it's, it's something that I, like I said, it's, I don't get to where I am now unless I experienced what I did in those, uh, in that rank. Oh, that's that's great. All right, Martin, let's hold it there for this week. Obviously, we gained some amazing information from Luch, um, really just an infectious personality, and it was great walking him through his path and his youth hockey uh, career. But I think that's it for this week. We'll, we're going to come back, and we'll uh, release the rest of his interview, which is another half hour or so in our mailbag episode. So stay tuned for episode eight, uh, episode 18 with Milan Luchik and we'll you know you guys will continue to enjoy that interview we promise yeah you can see his his energy and his his infectiousness as a teammate he was great to be around so more to come next week uh excited to for you listeners to hear more about his NHL time and and a few funny stories along the way and we have a uh, a special song this week to close us out. We have my father's friend Johnny Kelly. We call him Melly. He uh, he wrote a little rink shrink shuffle. So hopefully you guys enjoy this on the way out. Uh, like I said, he he plays the harmonica and he's got a uh, a fellow bandmate that plays the guitar. And, and he was able to uh, kind enough to uh, to write us a little a little jam here. So enjoy the rink shrink shuffle on the way out. Oh,